Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their 0 to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond, and their biggest challenges during the first three phases of building their software. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io, which I co-founded after being in SaaS for nearly a decade. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full-stack development team with top talent, they cost half as much as in-house developers. And you can trust your software as a service or mobile app with us as we'll give you the first 30 days at no risk. And we guarantee being on time and on budget or we finish the project at no further cost. Contact us at onestop.io. We can spec out your project today. Uh, before introducing today, today's guest, I want to give a big thank you to Jeremy Wise and, uh, for introducing me to this today's guest. You can check out their website at Inspired Insider. They specialize in podcast editing. They do this show too, by the way. And today, I'm thrilled and honored to have one of godfathers of SEO SaaS, Rand Fishkin. He's the founder of Moz.com, Inbound.org. Whiteboard Friday, and now latest venture, Spark Turo. Today, we're going to switch things up and not do a zero to 30 with RAM, but get some of the goods on how this SEO pro thinks about the picture of search in 2020 and what he's doing with Spark Turo. How are you today, Rand? Good, good, Charlie. Thank you for having me. Good, I'm excited too. Um, so w- why don't you start by uh, giving this quick intro on um, who you are and sort of your background. And I, I'd like to just kind of go back on your uh, your journey on how you got to launching uh, Spark Turo. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So I'll, um, I'll go real fast in the beginning, but I uh, dropped out of college in 2001 and started working with my mom, Jillian, at a... Uh, marketing consulting company that became uh, the business Moz. And that was that was mostly because we were a struggling web design firm for a little while. Uh, I started a blog about SEO and that blog ended up attracting a lot of consulting clients who wanted SEO services, which led us to Moz. And in 2007, we launched some uh, software, just really nascent tools that people could subscribe to that subscription product took off like a rocket and we raised some venture capital uh, through outreach that that came inbound to us Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was made CEO at the time. Moz grew uh, over the next seven years to about uh, $30 million in revenue, um, growing at 100% year over year and then sort of growth plateaued. Today, Moz is around maybe 55 million Okay. Uh, in annual revenue. And um, I stepped down as CEO in 2014, but uh, stuck around the company another four years and then left um, about two years ago to start this new company, SparkToro. That is. Was Moz uh, acquired then? Moz was not acquired. Um, 
I still, uh, I still don't have very much money. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, financially speaking, Moz was, um, not a, not a terrific 18 years, um, to put, to put one's effort into if, I mean, technically I own whatever, 18% of a $55 million a year revenue company, but you know, it's venture backed, it's growing, but very slowly. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of the venture model, uh, anymore. Not, I'm not sure okay. I ever was a fan of the venture model, but I'm, yeah. uh, even more so, uh, disillusioned by it. I, th- I think that, you know, venture, um, forces very binary outcomes, right? 99% of the companies fail. Yeah. Um, and I think what I did not realize, Jordy, in my experience was that even after you are you know, post $10 million a year in revenue and growing rapidly, uh, you are still very much in that, you know, 99% who's going to fail bucket. Yeah. Uh, and, and it may seem, you know, it may seem like, oh gosh, we're really onto something, you know, we've got something extraordinary, but that is, um, yeah, that is not the case. So I, I really advise um, founders to think, twice, three times, four times before, before entering, entering that field. I think it's great if you're already wealthy, you come from a wealthy family, um, and you've got, you know, plenty of patience and uh, sort of willing to gamble and roll the dice. And for most everyone else, uh, I, would, I would look for other sources of funding and I would look for, you know, a company that can be profitable and, and spit off its, um, its profits back to you or one that, uh, you could sell for many different prices and it would make your, you know, investors and team happy. I think that's, that's probably the, a much wiser. Yeah, that's interesting. So obviously then with Spark Toro, you're, you're bootstrapping this and the idea is zero outside uh, investment. Uh, no, we have raised money, but in a really creative way. Okay. Um, Let's hear about so it. We, yeah, we, uh, we raised money from 30, 36 uh, individual angel investors, uh, but we're an LLC that distributes profits. So it's sort of like a law firm or a venture capital firm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're structured, we're we're basically structured as this uh, LLC where Casey and I, as, as the founders, you know, we don't have a board of directors. We get to sort of make the decisions ourselves, but the, um, uh, we raised 1.3 million back uh, in what was that June of 2018, and once we pay back that 1.3 million, everybody participates in profit sharing pro rata. So to their, okay. you know, amount of ownership. Um, if there's a sale, just like most companies, everyone gets uh, yeah. the higher of their invested dollars if they haven't gotten paid back already, or they get their um, percentage of ownership. Okay, and what did you keep the? What did you keep your equity at uh, this time? Uh, let's see. I believe Casey and I own a collective seventy-four percent, something like that. Okay, so, yeah. so so obviously that's the way you prefer to keep it. The idea is to keep it like a, you keep majority yeah, owner and control. Very and- frankly, the percentage ownership um, matters very little. So even when my mom and I own seventy percent of Ma's combined. Uh, the the documents of our fundraising basically said that our investors could you know replace us run the business the way 
they sort of chose. They obviously they didn't, right? Yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying you are you yeah. are not in control, even if you own 51 percent or 99 percent. Yeah. Right? Percentage ownership is not tied to control in these types of companies. But so you have to be very careful about your um, how you understand your documentation and how a board of directors works. So SparkToro is very much ours, right? Yeah. Um, you know, much much like the famous stories about Zuckerberg and Facebook. You know, we I could own two percent, and SparkToro would be very much mine, right? In terms yeah, of yeah. Okay. ownership and direction. Uh, but you know that that being said, what we really like about this model, it's um, it's surprising that it's creative and innovative because it doesn't doesn't feel all that out of the ordinary, right? It seems very normal that you would raise money this way. But what we like about it is it essentially uh, fixes everyone's incentives to building a long-term profitable business. Right? Does this have a name? I mean, what if I was to say, go to my advisor and say, hey, I want to structure my LLC this way. Does it have a name? It, a it does. Uh, it's called the SparkToro funding structure. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so yeah, they're not the, going to um, know about it, but it's, so it's so, something you guys came up with. So it it's great. something we came up with, but uh, it is a real thing in that I think four other startups have used it. We've open sourced the documents online. So uh -huh. we paid our attorneys a little bit extra and they, they yeah. basically created a version of all the documents that anyone can use. Um, yeah. a, a seed fund out of Minneapolis is using it as well. A tiny seed fund. Yeah, is that Rob Rob Walling's? Uh, yeah, Rob Walling yeah. and Einar Volsen. Yeah. Yep. So they use the SparkToro model for their uh, company. Do you have it on your site? I saw I you have a really really cool uh, resources page that you have there. Is it on that page? Yep. Okay. So if you just search for SparkToro funding in Google, you will find it. Okay. Cool. Uh, and there's yep, no doubt the about result. that. Uh, it's got um, basically a package of, I think it's three or four documents in a Google drive that anyone can download, but you'll also see all the details about how it works. Okay. Okay, great. So why don't you tell me, um, about how you came up with the idea of for that started SparkToro and then it sounds like, yeah, let's just talk about the starting the MVP and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, over my last, especially five, six years at Moz, I spent a lot of time working with early stage ventures and entrepreneurs, um, just because that's where I have a lot of passion and interest uh, of varying sizes and varying funding types. But one of the things that I almost always helped people with was marketing. No, mm -hmm. no surprise, right? Yeah. People came to me because they're like, oh, that guy knows SEO. And yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, so hopefully he can help with the, the marketing side. And uh, what I found time after time is that in many, many sectors, especially for more innovative products and companies, there was not existing search volume, right? Ranking for a bunch of keywords and, and phrases, even, even ones that were, you know, that maybe had some search volume, but were loose, more loosely connected. It wasn't all that helpful. Like okay. SEO could not get the job done because search uh, okay. couldn't get the job done. Because right? the volume is not there. Yeah, the volume's not there, right? People yeah. people don't know to look for your solution yeah, yeah. to their problem. Okay. And or they're creating a new like exactly as you say, it's a new innovative space that just doesn't exist yet, so nobody's searching for it. Got it. Yeah. You got it. Okay. Yeah. So and this is how startup after startup works, right? Yeah. So as I'm helping all these companies, one of the things that is incredibly frustrating is figuring out where can we go do marketing that will reach the audience they want to reach. 
Yeah. Right. Because we can't, we can't use search. So we've got to use things like, you know, maybe some uh, content marketing, press and PR, um, sponsorships, advertising, social media marketing, um, maybe pitching some influential sources to try and cover us, right? And, and all of this stuff, right? All of it is uh, dependent on being good at targeting your audience, mm -hmm. like figuring out what they read, watch, listen to, subscribe to, follow, engage with. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure you've heard the, the right the the stories of oh we got on whatever the front page of Hacker News yeah, our first yeah. day and that we helped us you know stumble kick upon off or something like that yeah, yeah. product hunt yeah. or whatever it is yeah right? yeah and okay those are fine generalist you know if you if you're targeting the technology world but what if you want to reach architects in California. Mm -hmm. What if you want to reach interior designers in the Northeast? What if your target is healthcare administrators in Canada? What mm -hmm. if your target is uh, chemical engineers in the UK? I don't know how to reach any of these people. I have no idea what they pay attention to. I'm sure there are conferences and events they go to and YouTube channels they subscribe to and podcasts that are popular in their world, yeah. right? But finding all those things was just infuriatingly hard. So what we would do, which you know a lot of people do, is market research. You run a big survey, you do some interviews, you try and collect them down, or you do like kind of what I'd call cyber stalking at scale, mm -hmm. where you you go find a bunch of your customers uh, or potential customers, find their online profiles, and then you know aggregate like crawl and aggregate all the things they whatever link to, engage with, follow on whatever social networks they're on, uh, say in their about page, uh, you do a Google crawl and figure out like what, uh, a Google SERP crawl and figure out like what uh, events they've been part of or you know where, what they've participated in. And then you aggregate all those together for hundreds or thousands of your um, customers and you can sort of, st patterns start to emerge. Yeah. Oh, everyone pays attention to this. Everyone sees, okay, all right, now I'm getting a sense of, of where this is. And usually the top like three or four are the same for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And then it's in the tail where all the interesting stuff happens. Yeah. Right? There's okay. like all these hidden gem sources of influence where if you as, your, as, a, as a company trying to reach them can get in front of those sources, can get covered by them, can pitch a guest editorial, can get on that podcast, can get you know, uh, featured on that site somehow, can do a sponsorship or co-marketing, whatever. Yeah. You can really win. Okay. So, so is it looking for backlinks? Is that sort of like, this is it backlink stuff or? I mean, a, a, a link is, um, a link is fine if what, if what, if your goal is SEO. Yeah. Right? Okay. But in, in it's more for like getting PR and getting out getting your word out and kind of people educating people about the product and stuff. Right. Like, for example, if, if I want to reach uh, independent startup SaaS founders, coming on your podcast is a great idea. But how yeah. do I figure that out? Like, how do I yeah. know that those people pay attention to your podcast and, and what other, you know, 10 podcasts they listen to? Okay. That is a really challenging problem to solve without, without this process. But that okay. crawl process that like goes cyber stock at scale. Yeah. Pain in the butt. <laughs> really yeah. a pain in the butt. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, Casey and I basically had this idea that, that, 
no one should have to do that themselves, right? You should not have to build a crawler to go crawl all these different social networks and crawl Google search results, crawl people's about page and aggregate all the profiles together and then extract out all the data. We should just do that for you. And we should do it at scale across tens of millions of profiles so that you can search for any audience in our database and then we can just return it to you in a few seconds. Okay. And, and so, is, so it essentially gives you like a curated list of like, these are all the people that you should be contacting uh, to, you know, that that's in your audience. And these are the people that you need to like get on their site or show or do a PR release with. Yeah, right. So uh, essentially what we are, so we're not trying to say this is the marketing tactic you should use to reach this no, person. No, but you're telling uh, the people saying, they should be reading. Yeah. Yeah. Who, he, if you are interested in, right, you can, you can go to SparkToro and type in uh, my audience uses these words in their profile architect yeah, uh, and is located in California uh -huh. and then click search and we will return to you a list of websites that uh, architects in California have engaged with or linked to or followed their accounts uh, or visited in, in the order which with which they do so most, right? Mm -hmm. So it will say like 31% visit um, whatever architectural digests website. I don't know if that's yeah. what it is, but right, you know, right. and then, and then you'll see down the lists uh, you know, there'll be hundreds of websites listed, hundreds of social accounts, podcasts, YouTube channels, and then a bunch of other um, sort of audience, what we call audience insights uh, data about that audience, like words that architects also use in their profiles, okay. things that they use and talk about in their content and shares, geographic distribution, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, so, so um, it sounds exactly like the type of product that you would need to sell this because it would be <laughs> it, like, nobody would know how to find this because it doesn't exactly. exist. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. When we, so we did, you know, we did the classic process um, for, for kicking off a, a new product, which is, you know, you interview a lot of your customers and potential customers. And when we yeah. interviewed people, you know, we'd say, Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Jordy, what do you, what do you call this process where you try and figure out where you should do marketing? Yeah. And people were like, Oh, I, I don't have a word for that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they do it. Everybody yeah. does it. We yeah. all have to do it, but nobody has a word for it. And so it's not a sort of well-defined understood search for sure. sector. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've been calling it audience intelligence because okay. why not? But, yeah. um, yeah, I think I think we're going to have a big kind of education and branding challenge ahead of us. Okay, all right. So you so you basically um, this is but, but people are coming and telling you that they have this problem. So this is why like this is how you know it's a problem. And yeah, I mean, you essentially had customers saying we need we need help with this. Does it mean the alternative really is going out and building a scraper or hiring someone to do this manually? Is that is that the alternative, right? Uh, those two are the alternative. They were not, the, the scraper methodology was only used by a couple of the savviest sort of most technologically advanced folks that we talked to. To be totally honest, most people either wing it, they just do a bunch of Google searches and they take a guess or yeah. they assume they already know. Uh, or we saw a lot of folks who had the budget for it do big market research surveys. So they'd pay like a big a survey firm $25,000, $50,000 to 
to run these market surveys uh, where they would essentially put together a panel and try and get responses, um, pay or incentivize people to give responses, and then ask them questions like, what do you pay attention to? What do you read and watch and follow? Et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So um, tell me about the MVP. So you, so Casey's obviously the, the tech guy, right? Um, and so he put, he, did you put together the team or he already had it? Um, or it's, is he doing the coding himself? It's just the two of us. Yeah, okay. there's nobody else. All right, that's impressive. So just Casey's doing all the coding, and I presume you're sort of the marketing and CEO guy that you're kind of doing the rest, everything outside yeah, of it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's generally true. I, I get maybe a little more involved in the UI and UX side as well, but um, let's see. We have, used, we have used some phenomenal contractors. Um, yeah, so we, we worked with... Uh, several designers and um, someone specifically on UX whom, whom I had worked with previously at Moz. Uh, we worked with a couple of consultants, SaaS consultants who kind of help with uh, customer research and translating that into product insights. Okay. And we use their help. Um, this, it's a company called Elevate. Okay, uh, we Elevate. use their, their help back in the fall to help us answer the question of, are we ready to launch? And if not, what else do we have to build into the product to be ready for launch? Okay, and so what was the, what was the raise for then? Um, if you guys are doing this, what, what do you need? I mean, because a million is kind of a lot of money, right? For an yeah. MVP when you guys are doing the work. I mean, you know, so what, what's that raise for? And what, what do you plan to spend the money on? Yeah, the uh, the raise. So we have spent just over half of it so far. Uh, I think, let's see, most of the, uh, nearly all actually of the money that has been spent uh, is my salary, Casey's salary, and our healthcare costs, with probably another hundred and fifty ish k of um, technology costs. So okay. we, um, we were buying some data from JumpShot until they got shut down. Uh, that was unfortunately expensive and even more unfortunately didn't make it into the final product because they were shut down in January. Yeah. Uh, we also, you know, had some contractor expenses, AWS expenses. Um, but no, we, we raised, uh, I think very wisely we raised that 1.3 because now we're in this situation where, we're launching, you know, we launched in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Um, so you're launching now. You're when so we you launched start? two weeks ago. Okay. So, and when did you, um, by the way, this is what, May, we're May 4th. So, yeah. Um, and, so when did you start building? So it sounds like it's kind of like a year uh, We started. Project. We started building in earnest uh, probably, yeah, June of 2018. Okay. So, so it's significant, uh, yeah, significant. Very build. significant build process, yeah. right? So essentially yeah. what we had to do in order to, to get this thing going was um, first prove to ourselves that the idea fun works, right? And so it was, uh -huh. it was about a, eh, it wasn't quite a year. It was probably seven months, eight months of uh, development, figuring out how to crawl all these sources, right? So we crawl 10 social networks and websites um, and the web, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then we aggregate together all of these data points and try and 
um, build a system that confirms that this person on this platform is the same person on this other platform uh, and, and get the connections going between those and then put that into our database, make that searchable quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we don't return any data on the individual people. What we return data on is what they collectively follow most or engage with most or look okay. to the most. Okay. Um, so, you, you know, you see a lot of like, whatever, here's this popular person on Twitter in the architecture space, or here's this well-known publication or this trade show event or, you know, whatever, whatever the source yeah. of influence is. Um, and that, uh, that data extraction and munging, uh, crawling process, keeping it up to date, that was very, very significant amount yeah. of work. And we knew it was going to take a long time. We didn't know how long. Yeah. So we raised money to uh, be able to do that. We also didn't know how long it would take for us to get it off the ground, right? Is, is launch week going to get us to 5K MRR? Is it going to get us to 20K MRR? Yeah. Right? Um, and... How, how long until we're able to sort of get profitable and keep that? So we raised a significant amount so that we could. Okay. And how was launch week? What'd you get up to? Uh, let's see. I would say, so launch week was mediocre. That's, yeah. I think, yeah, not great. I think um, we, so we launched our first early access cohort. We, we built up a large email list yeah. over the last couple of years of people who are interested in the product, uh -huh. right? Which I think is a really smart thing to do. Yeah. Um, we had about 20,000 people on that list. Uh, at the end of February, we sent our first sort of random cohort of early access folks, their invitation to try SparkToro. Um, that performed extraordinarily well. Yeah. Just, because they were warm, they were sort of, it, it, all the people on the list were sort of warm, they knew what was going on, that did well. Uh, yeah, so that was, let's see, that was 3,000 of the 20,000. Okay. By the time we sent the second one, which was, I think, March 10th or so, yeah. coronavirus had taken over the conversation, right? Like, yeah, nothing yeah. else yeah. was being <laughs> talked about. Budgets were being <laughs> shut down left yeah. and right. People's corporate cards were being pulled. So, we, you know, we talked to a bunch of our, yeah. potential customers and they were like, yeah, I love your product. I'd love to use it, but I no longer have buying ability. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's, yeah. everyone's corporate card is being taken. No one's allowed to spend anything. Budget's being shut down. Um, and so, yeah, no, no surprise. The second cohort, right? The second group of 3000, the third group, the fourth group performed just terribly. Yeah. Uh, so it was compared, mostly, compared okay. so it's mostly from, from that, but now your launch, what's, what's your MRR now? Can you tell me that? Yeah, let's see here. I think last time I checked, we use uh, ProfitWell, which is nice. Um, yeah. Let's see. I think last time I looked, it was somewhere in the yeah, 20,000. Okay. That's pretty good. Let's see. And what do you need to, what do you need to sort of be break even? I think uh, right around 30. 30, okay. Then you're covering yours and Casey's salary and you can, you can so, so presumably when, when things start easing, you can start, uh, start cooking again. Yeah, right. Fingers crossed, right. Our funding will help get us through this, uh, the pandemic and we will, um, yeah, be able to, 
you know, get customers again. I, you know, we're not, we're not in a terrible shape at all. We're, yeah. you know, we've got more than half a million in the bank. We have um, relatively minimal expenses. And if we need to, you know, trim our salaries a bit to get through yeah. the, a year ahead, we're, we can do that. Yeah. Um, so we're in, we're in an okay spot uh, compared to a lot of folks in the United States, right? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so, so tell me how you must be using, obviously, your product now for your marketing. Um, you, you Sorry, must can be, you say that again? Yes. Uh, you must be, tell me the, the marketing now, because before the, before the show, I was like, oh, well, you got to be all over the search, and you were like, actually not. Now I understand why, obviously, because the product doesn't exist. You know, the space doesn't exist. So tell me, you must be using your product obviously for, for uh, the marketing. Explain to me your marketing plan and how you're using your product and what's been working for you and what do you see as your vision forward for your marketing strategy? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a huge believer in kind of the, the marketing flywheel model, okay. right? Being able to build a, a flywheel that scales with decreasing friction. You, you put you know, significant effort into getting those first few revolutions going, but then it, it sort of scales on inertia. And the flywheel that we have been using so far, um, especially for launch, has basically been a combination of um, what I would call uh, niche marketing coverage. So kind of people in the marketing world trying SparkToro, covering it on their websites on their YouTube channels and their podcasts. Um, and then I do a lot of content marketing, you know, webinars, uh, blog posts. They're not generally SEO focused, uh -huh. but they, most of the traffic tends to come actually through, uh, through social um, and word of mouth, right? We see a lot of, thankfully, we see a lot of people who search Google for the titles of the blog posts or the pieces that I put out. Um, obviously I have some, you know, reputation and, um, and following in the marketing world. So that helps a lot, but we try and bring people to the site. We give them, uh, essentially a freemium experience. So we, um, as the pandemic was hitting, we, we decided, Hey, let's just be much more generous on the free side and yeah. give people a, a lot more, you know, there's, there's going to be, we knew there were going to be a lot of people who couldn't afford SparkToro, mm -hmm. um, because of the situation and, uh, but could really use it. And yeah. um, so we opened up the product to show more data when you run free searches. We gave people more free searches. I think everyone gets 10 free searches when they sign up for an account. And then our idea is basically you, you know, as you uh, have experience with the product and then in the future, if you have both need and finances for it, you'll come back to us. Okay, um, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So this is kind of our flywheel, right? Build up uh, ten, hopefully tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who've tried SparkToro at least once and have a good impression of it, right? The, uh, our, our idea is that if you, if you run a search, you'll, you might be, a lot of people who run a search, they, they search for um, a niche they already know really well. Okay. And what we hope is when they try their search and they see that, oh, SparkToro is telling me something I already knew. Like they did a good job. They know this uh, sector. These look like all the right sources. You will then trust the tool when you run a search in a niche that you don't know well. 
Okay. But so who's your, who's your customers now? I mean, are you getting search like SEO guys coming in or who, who are the people that are finding you and gaining traction using the product? Uh, Jordy, it is crazy diverse. Really? Incredibly okay. Diverse. Does, that, does that make you nervous though? Cause you can't really target that. Can you? Um, it, let's see. I, I am hoping that patterns emerge over time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Part of me is nervous about that because yes, it's a, it makes for a very hard group to target. Um, and part of me is excited because I hope that it means that we have a very massive market. Yeah. A very big market, yeah. a very broad application. So, yeah. um, but yes, that I, I think this is the, this is the challenge with getting lots of, um, but it sounds like it really would work well for search though, right? If I, if I'm like someone that's on SEO and I want to figure out the best places to, you know, to, to do guest posts or re, you know, outreach or something. I mean, it seems like you would be getting a lot of, because of your reputation, as you say, and legacy, uh, you know, following with Moz and you're yeah, not finding so, search, uh, search pros coming in and you finding it a useful tool or. Um, some, although I would, I would say SEO is a pretty, pretty tiny portion of it. Here, here's the, the challenge is generally speaking, an SEO person who wants links is not looking for links on the sites that have the best reach to a particular audience, but rather just links, the yeah. easiest to get links, the okay. fastest to get links, yeah. right? Because they, they care much less whether that link is actually in front of someone and in an article that somebody reads and engages with. That's not what they care about, right? They're just looking for, I want an easy way to get a link as quickly yeah. as possible and I need lots of them. Do you so, agree with that strategy? Uh, let's see. If you are in a if you're in a specific kind of SEO targeted space, yes, it works. I don't it love it as a strategy because I don't think it builds a lot of quality. Uh, like it's not quality traffic, right? It's not tar. It's a, it doesn't sound like you'd even get any traffic from that. You're just going right. Yeah. Most yeah. of the, most of the links that you get for SEO or that you aim for to get an SEO don't send traffic. Right. And spark Toro is kind of the opposite. It's these are places that can send you high quality traffic that is likely to be interested in your product and learn about you and, mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. And oftentimes it's not even the link you care about with SparkToro. Yeah. Right? It's just the, the coverage. The traffic. Okay. Yeah. Right. The, the traffic, the coverage. So if somebody, you know, doesn't actually provide a link or uses a no follow link, you don't care. Right. Yeah. Your goal, your goal was not boost my SEO rankings for this keyword phrase right? Or to this page, my goal is get coverage, get awareness. Right. Yeah. And, and this is very, very true. If you think about like kind of uh, the social media stuff, right? Cause we, uh, a lot of spark Toros focuses on the social side, YouTube and podcasts, which generally don't tend to send a link. Some podcasts mm -hmm. do in their show notes, which is fine. But, um, you know, a YouTube mention is not, going to do the same thing, right? A mention on a Facebook post, an Instagram post, a LinkedIn post, a Twitter post, those are all no followed, right? Yeah. That's not going to give you SEO juice, but it is going to potentially put you in front of right people who might be interested in your product. 
Okay, that makes sense. So um, then tell me about your, what's been most successful for you for, for your marketing? Is it, is it mostly like just getting, getting word out and, and doing podcasts and things or what's? Uh, I mean, email list building has been the best one by far, right? Okay. So basically people who, um, if you, prior to our launch, uh, if you came to SparkToro, usually through content that we created um, or what I, what would I say? Like um, media and press and interviews and stuff like that, that I would do. I do a lot of conferences and events well, mm-hmm. until the pandemic hit. Yeah. Um, usually about 25, 30 a year uh, I'll travel in the U S and mostly U S and Europe um, and give a lot of speeches and, you know, um, you know, when you keynote in front of a thousand people and mention your new company, a lot of them go check it out, right? Even yeah. if you, even though oftentimes I wouldn't even talk about necessarily what SparkToro was doing, yeah, right? But I'm, I'm trying to help people with their marketing and yeah. I'm talking about web marketing tactics and strategies uh, on stage. One of the things that I have been uh, heavily focusing on in sort of my content on stage and on the blog has been the... The, the huge challenge of um, Google's sort of increasing dominance in space after space in the search world, essentially going from sending clicks out to sending clicks back to themselves. And, um, and par- you know, part of that uh, discussion is yes, because it's real and I have the stats to back it up and because I'm, I'm really concerned about it, but also it really speaks to the need to have more pillars to your marketing than just SEO. Okay. And, and SparkToro is certainly in that world, right? Trying to help people build up these other pillars to their marketing. So I would get on stage and talk about how the zero click searches have passed 50%, right? I, I published a big article about that last year that uh, a lot of folks visited and saw and, you know, that got us a ton of uh, coverage and amplification. I'd go, you know, talk about that and how to get around that problem, how to build up these other pillars of your marketing, um, how to work around it with, you know, tar- good keyword targeting, all that kind of stuff. And that would send folks to SparkToro who said, yeah, I'm interested in this. Send me an email when you, you know, when you're ready for launch. Um, and that's how we got, yeah, that's how we got to our first about 20 K of MRR. Uh, and, and what now are you, what are your best lead mag- I saw you have a bunch of free, uh, free tools. Are those yeah. sort of your best lead magnets? Uh, the free tools have been really helpful for traffic. Um, we have captured some of those led people also to the, um, which we'll call it to the the email list for SparkToro. And I think we're going to be trying to figure out how to better plug them into the SparkToro search, uh, free searches as well. So um, what's been your best lead magnet? What's your current lead magnet that's Uh, getting best Biggest one, biggest one by far is, uh, is social media. Social media. Okay. Yeah. So so Twitter and LinkedIn are the two that have sent us, um, the most traffic and the most people who have. And what's the actual, what's the, uh, like, what's the actual um, call to action? Uh, it's basically run a free search, right? Oh, like okay. try, try the product. Oh, okay. Right? So then, then, you, then you they enter, they enter their email to use the, the free tool and, and right. then you send them the results or something. Uh, we don't send them the results. They get the results instantly. Okay, so they, they'll, you know, you go to the site. But the trade is that they, they, you get their email. Uh, right. We asked them to register. We haven't yet 
started following up with those emails. It's only been two weeks, but I think that okay. will be, that will turn into, you know, uh, an email marketing process. We, Casey and I are both very reticent about sending people too many emails. Right. So we, we need to, what, we kind what, of need what, to do you have a guideline you like doing uh, like one a week or something like that? My, my strong preference is we only send you emails when we're very confident they will actually be useful to you. So the, the two emails that we've got right now that are working well is one is if you go, if you've registered for a SparkToro account and you mm -hmm. go to the pricing page and you start the checkout process, but you don't complete it, uh, we send you an email. It's just my personal email. That's like, Hey, was there anything? We so it's like an abandoned cart sort of, uh, yeah. Abandoned yeah. cart sort of email. Yeah. Uh, and the second one, um, that has, that's been relatively effective was our, uh, we had a launch series. So we basically had one email that went out, went for early access. So if you signed up prior to launch, we basically gave you first crack at the tool. Mm -hmm. um, before anybody else. And then the second one was when we actually launched, we, um, we sent an email announcement about that. And those, yeah, those both performed okay. Uh, I would say that the email, if you look at the email performance, like deliverability or delivery and open rate and click through rate, we're all very, very good. Um, yeah. we've had a little more challenge. Like what kind of conversions? What, what, what are you talking about for, for good conversions? Uh, really, really low percentages. So we've had a lot of people try and not a lot of people buy. So I think we've got a conversion rate that's hovering under, like right around 0.4%. Okay. So lots of upside there. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll get a handle on that. Yeah. My suspicion, again, you know, like when we go pre-pandemic and look at it, it yeah. was 4%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? So yeah. we're down 90% in conversion rate from before the pandemic to after. And okay. maybe that's no surprise, right? Everybody's yeah. just um, in, a, in a freeze situation. Yeah. Maybe, you know, I think it's going to be a long time before we see an economic recovery. So I don't, I don't have, um, I, I expect that we'll yeah. be in this 0.4% range for a while yeah. and we'll yeah. try and nudge it to 0 0.5, 0 0.6, but I don't think we're going to get back to that 4% for, yeah, for, for some time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it sounds to me that like um, that you're moving away from search has to do with your, you know, this sort of, um, do you see problems in the way Google's uh, search is working? That's the, that's a big thing. Eh? Oh yeah. I mean, look. So, I, so I what do you th what do you recommend to people that that are sort of building their whole search, their their marketing strategy on search? Because you know, some people that's all they do, right? Yeah, and and look, I don't think search, SEO or SEM. I don't think they are terrible, right? Yeah. I think they are just risky. You know, I see sector after sector, um, finance and banking, credit cards. Uh, travel, especially, oh my God, hotels, flights, local business searches, you know, all sorts of areas where Google essentially says, oh, that, that traffic looks really nice. Why are we sending that to someone else? We should send that to ourselves. Let's build our own, let's build our own Google credit card product. Let's build our own Google flights product, Google hotels, Google maps. 
uh, YouTube, yeah. right? Like, why would it? Why would we send video traffic to anybody else? Yeah. Just make it all go to YouTube, right? So, it's not that it's not that there's no opportunity. It's just that Google has basically become the behemoth. They want to be the ones to own all of this stuff, and um, yeah, I get I get pretty nervous about that. I have seen businesses just be completely decimated because they they attach their strategy exclusively to search. Um, yeah. So, and so you, obviously you recommend then uh, these pillars, which is, which is, uh, you know, the using email marketing to, to get, build a list and control your sort of destiny yeah. through that. Definitely. I think investing in social is a wise thing. I think investing in content marketing that is not just reliant on SEO, right? Yeah. Content. Quality people, content. Yeah. Yeah. People, con yeah. The kind of content that people want to subscribe to, right? Yeah. They want to get it. it they miss it when it's gone, right? They're going to come yeah. seeking. Podcasting? What do you think of podcasting? I, I love podcasts, right? Yeah. Podcasts build a, a loyal audience that is consistently interested in your topics. Um, I think yeah. that Podcasts are a great area to potentially invest in. Same thing with uh, uh, potentially a YouTube, you know, a video channel, yeah. uh, any type of episodic content really. I yeah. think is a great, great investment. My suspicion actually is that episodic content is one of the big kind of future um, trending things. So, yeah. Well, Rand, we're getting to the top of the hour. I really want to thank you so much for, for your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, you too, I really respect you uh, on all the work that you've oh. done. And I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, sort of poo-poo Moz's uh, <laughs> success. I think a lot of people, yeah. with, it's a great it's a great tool. And a lot of people have enjoyed it, you know, over no, the No, no, I mean, Moz is not, right? Uh, Moz is not a bad company in, in any sense, right? It's, um, it's done wonderful things for a lot of people. Yeah. It has tens of thousands of customers. It's just that from a venture perspective, it doesn't work all that well. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Understood. That makes it tough. And how can uh, people find out more? Where, where do you want to send our listeners? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I, I think I, especially your listeners will probably really get a lot of value out of even some free searches on SparkToro. Okay. So, I'm going to check it out myself yeah, for sure. Uh, you, they can go to SparkToro.com or SparkToro.com slash product. Uh, if you have any questions for me, I'm at Randfish on Twitter. Okay, great. And the answers, too. I can attest to that. <laughs> I do. I do. I try. Any API plans for the future? Can people tap Yeah, on? absolutely. Okay. We've had a lot it of It sounds like there would be a lot, a lot of opportunity there. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I yeah. think that's, that's going to be something we uh, invest in heavily this summer and fall. Okay, great. Thanks so much, Rand. Yeah, you bet. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software Big Break could be right around the corner. <laughs>